Star Chat is a member of the Teej.fm network from WTJU. To learn more, visit Teej.fm. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. Hello, everybody. It's Monday, April 8th, 2019. I'm Caitlin Flay. And I'm Tanner Green. And you're listening to Chart Chat, your weekly guide to the past week of pop singles hitting the US and UK charts. Hello, friends. I'm back. Hooray. Hooray. And guess what? It's also my birth week. Hooray. Feel free to send me cake. Cake. Lots of cake. Great vibes. Well wishes. You name it. Tanner. How is your life? A lot better since you're now here again. Aww. Life's okay. You know, not really a whole lot to, to report. End of the semester, things are piling up and winding down and weather's changing, which I have mixed feelings about, but yeah. Those end of school year blues, it sounds like, my friend. Well, in order to distract ourselves, I guess we could go to the charts. We're starting at the bottom this week on the UK official charts at number 100. We have Dean Lewis with his song Stay Awake. Price on My Head, that's Nav featuring The Weeknd, debuts at number 91. Jonas Blue featuring Teresa Rex debuts at number 87 with What I Like About You. Not a cover, everyone. I was very disappointed. At number 86, we have RV and Hetty One with their song Match Day. Lifestyle, that's by Dino, debuts at number 82. Just a single step above that at number 81, we have FWA Boss, that's by SL. At number 79, Tame Impala debuts with their song Patience. To All, the latest single from Catfish and the Bottleman, debuts at number 69. At number 67, we have Lil Nas X with the song Old Town Road. Tanner talked about that one last week? Couple weeks ago. Couple weeks ago. It seems like only yesterday. We jump up a little bit, uh, so from number 67, we go to number 19. That's Russ and Tion Wayne with Keisha and Becky. And just a note to listeners, that one cannot be found in our playlist, but it is available on YouTube, so go and check it out. And finally, and also a little surprisingly, we have a top 10 entry. That's by a trio, Steel Bangles, AJ Tracy, and Mostak with their song Fashion Week. And that's it on the UK side. Tanner, what you got on the US? A lot less. It has been another pretty quiet week over on the US side of things. Not quite as quiet as uh, the previous week, where there were only three chart entries. We're up to five now. And the first of those is at number 98. It's Last Hurrah by BB Rexa. Right above that at number 97, it's Don't Call Me Up by Mabel. Debuting at number 89, you have the first of two nav tracks. This one features Meek Mill, and it's called Tap. Debuting at number 78, there's Confessions of a Dangerous Mind by Logic. And the highest entry, relatively speaking, this week over in the U.S., it's Price on My Head, it's Nav, featuring The Weeknd, at number 72. Caitlin, what song would you like to usher yourself back into the chart chat? We're going to chill out a little bit, everyone. And we're going to chill out with the Australian 
progressive psychedelic group, Tame Impala. So last week, the group saw their only top 100 hit in the span of their 12-year career on the UK official charts. And listeners might recall my interest in Church's album success on the UK charts. I think the last time I was on the podcast, actually and their relative non-success in terms of singles on the charts. And Tame Impala kind of follows suit in that respect. So their album from 2012, that's titled Lonerism, which is a fantastic name for an album, peaked at number 14. And three years later, the group's album Currents peaked at number three. So as of now, two albums peaking pretty high on the album's chart. And we have only one single. At this point, you guys might be wondering, what's an impala? Right, Tanner? (laughs) Some sort of an animal. That's all I got. Yes, you're absolutely right. I'm so happy you said an animal and not a car. An impala, in this case, is a small to medium-sized antelope found in South Africa. It kind of makes me laugh to think about this band name, Tame Impala, like you have a pet antelope in your living room. I don't know if I'd name my band something like that. It kind of sounds like a random band generator came up with it, but you know what, to each his own. And perhaps for some listeners who are not small to medium-sized antelopes, this might be a trip down memory lane. Once again, this is Tame Impala and their song, Patience. first heard this song, my immediate reaction was that it sounded old and not really in a bad way. So lyrically, the song simultaneously works as either a vague kind of love song or as an ode to Tame Impala's fans, probably about the fact that the band made fans wait about four years for new music. So lyrically, it could go one of two ways. But I want to go in a little bit of a different direction. So this week, dear friends, I would like to suggest to you that Tame Impala's success with Patience that we saw last week and all of the positive feedback about the song from pretty popular outlets such as NPR, Rolling Stone, point to a kind of resurgence of sounds that ebbed and flowed into and out of the music industry during the latter half of the 20th century. I'd also like to bring up the fact that A couple of people I talked to this week found this song very boring and forgettable, and I honestly think that's 
kind of a fair assessment, especially now in an age where shoegazing rock and psychedelic rock music don't really capture the imaginations of millennials and younger generations, just because there's a lot of room in these songs. There's a lot of time. And I feel like generally I never have enough time. So anyway, we're going to take a journey back to the 1960s. Stick with me here, guys. I'll sprinkle in some fun clips to orient ourselves. Perhaps not many of our listeners are familiar with the psychedelic or acid rock movement from the 1960s. So it's basically just a musical genre characterized by a very strong electronic keyboard presence, distorted fuzzy guitar sounds, lots of panning, lots of phasing, long delay loops, and a lot of reverb. And a lot of the lyrical subject matter and sounds, I guess, dealt with describing and or heightening the effects of hallucinogenic drugs. So if you haven't really had your fill of psychedelic rock or you can't imagine what those de descriptors sound like, here's a little flash from the past. You guys will definitely be able to identify this one. It's by the Beach Boys. I, I love the colorful clothes you wear and the way the sunlight plays upon her head I hear the sound of a gentle word On the wind that lifts her perfume through the air I'm picking up good vibrations She's giving me the excitations I'm backing up all right, yes, that was Good Vibrations, one of Tanner's favorite groups. Maybe favorite song? Do you have a favorite Beach Boy song? Um, I don't know if I do. It's not. It's not Good Vibrations. Um, great song, but not my, not my favorite of theirs. No. Got it. It was a good break, nonetheless. Absolutely. All right. Cool. So. Rhetorical question here. What happens in the music industry when an extreme genre gains popularity? Usually, something the exact opposite starts to gain in popularity. And in this case, we skyrocket to the 1970s. And I would argue that the answer to psychedelic rock, acid rock, would be the punk movement. So, punk was kind of all about fighting the man. It's really basic in terms of instrumentation, right? You get really crunchy sounds, really obtrusive sounds. One of my students today described the sound of punk as coercive, but he didn't know what coercive meant. So we unpacked that a little bit because I feel like, yes, punk was coercive. It gained listeners because it was rebellious. Anyway... I love punk music. I love psychedelic rock. I don't discriminate. Just in case you can't imagine the stylistic opposite of the Beach Boys, which I'm sure you can, here's a little treat for your ears. This one you might not be as familiar with. This is a song called Straight Edge by Minor Threat. <laughs>
Once again, that was Straight Edge by Minor Threat, released in 1981. Believe it or not, I've covered that song. Woo, could you imagine? <laughs> yes. Yes. All right, guys. So we're back at the point of the musical pendulum swinging back to poppy psychedelia. And that it did with kind of a renewed eccentricity with the following bands. So you had the Flaming Lips, Butthole Surfers, My Bloody Valentine, the Jesus and Mary chain. All of those bands kind of emerged in the 80s. And the 80s also generously welcomed the formation of one of my favorite bands of all time. That's the Stone Roses. And they conveniently give us the beautiful sounds of shoegazing psychedelic rock from the UK towards the end of the 1980s. I believe this song was first released in 1989, and it is called I Wanna Be Adored. gosh I love that song so much it's so hypnotic and it's all about wanting attention it's basically me in a nutshell anyway you guys can probably guess the rest of the story so what responds to that kind of Brit pop and psychedelic rock in the 1990s well a man by the name of Kurt Cobain and a little genre called grunge ah yes very cool the rest is kind of history and now we're kind of getting back to Tame Impala here, guys, growing in popularity. And going back to my original statement, I think we might find ourselves at the peak of a new wave of psychedelic influence on pop music, which I'm not mad about. It's it's a vibe, right? It's kind of cool. Just to back up that point a little bit more with more bands, because I don't think one band can kind of be that unless you're Kurt Cobain, because... <laughs> He defines grunge. It's fine. So Tanner might recall the album I'm about to bring up that I wasn't as much of a fan of, but that was by the Arctic Monkeys. Last year, they released Tranquility Base Hotel. Tanner, can you speak on it? Oh, I sure can. And if you want to hear more of my thoughts, it's in one of the album of the year episodes I put out at the end of last year. Ooh. 
Fortunately for you, I don't remember which one, so you'll have to dig through them all. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's I think that's a really impressive, really cool album. Yeah, and also falls under this kind of psychedelic concept album stuff, right? It's all about like a casino hotel in space. The Moon Hotel. Yeah, yep. very very cool. I wonder what made them think of that. Anyway, I saw them right after this album came out, and wow. They put on an amazing show. And something that was also really cool, which kind of backs up my throwback theme to this week's episode, was that they projected all of their video at the live concert in black and white. I don't see a lot of bands do that, so I thought it's really cool. Also, the lead singer is fine. Anyway, another band, Foster the People. Saw them twice last year. Super weird. But Tame Impala follows more in their vocal tradition, so higher male vocal range, borderline falsetto singing. And we also heard that in the Beach Boys example. Right? It's all kind of like heady voice. I would definitely recommend checking out Foster the People's single Sit Next to Me, and it's a prime example of exactly what I just talked about. Last, I promise I'm wrapping up soon. I just love this music. I love being back on this podcast. <laughs> Last band, uh, that's MGMT. I've also seen them live. Super bad live. Three out of ten. Do not recommend. But they're definitely making similar music to Tame Impala instrumentally. And luckily for you, you can find the sweet, sweet sounds of all the bands I mentioned in the playlist for the week I kind of went ham, just so you guys know. You'll find a lot of goodies in the playlist. Tanner, I am only going to talk about that one song this week because I was super excited. So I'm going to toss it over to you now. Can you wrap up some thoughts about Patience? Yeah, so for this song in particular, there's not really a ton that sways me one way or the other. I think the most obviously noticeable thing is the effect that comes up every so often. It's either a phaser or a flanger. As we established way back when, I'm still terrible at telling the difference between a phase and a flange, and I still can't, but it's one of those two. The the whooshing sound that goes between the channels that has that really uh, heady effect. Caitlin mentioned different studio effects being a sort of key part of the psychedelic sound. That's an example of that. You have echo that crops up on the singer's voice every so often. And so for a song like this, I don't think it's necessarily a deal breaker that the melody and those vocals aren't super noticeable. They're just kind of bopping along. And so for a track like this, I think they live and die on their groove and their atmospherics. And I think they're both kind of plain. I want more bass. You've got these multiple key parts that I don't think are actually that interesting on their own. And I think a bass would really do a lot to sort of ground those key parts. I want more kick drum to perform kind of the same function. But as a song, it's it's fine. As for whether or not it's going to represent a sort of influx of psychedelia into the charts, the first thing, well, I thought of two things when listening to Caitlin's sort of mini history. First, I thought of the primary mode of consumption of music for a lot of people, particularly young people being, you know, throw on a playlist or something like that and let, let it just keep playing. And something like psychedelia might be well suited to that. Because if the song were to come on in a social setting, I can't really see the song being so objectionable or intrusive that anyone would take the five seconds to push next on the playlist. And then the other thing it made me think of uh, is the more psychedelic strains of rap music. 
that you see in the charts. Particularly, of course, my would-be good friend, Mr. Travis Scott. But lots of other sort of artists you see as well. And it's interesting to sort of note that a lot of the reasons that that music can come off with a similarly surreal sort of swirling feel is because of vocal manipulations, specifically vocal manipulations with the use of technology, whether that's auto-tune, layering, delays, etc. So it's just in a widely different genre context, but I think it's doing some of the same things. And with that, I'm actually going to go ahead and transition us over to the U.S. side of things. And as Caitlin might have alluded to, I'm going to be frank up front that this was kind of a rough week on the U.S. charts. And so I'm going to talk about two songs that I think are not only boring, but actively bad. I think these are bad songs. But instead of dunking on them, it's a lot of fun to dunk on songs. But going to try to keep us in the chart chat ethos, going to try to figure out what it is about them that we think is bad, first off, and then on more hypothetical fronts, maybe even try to figure out what the appeal of these artists might be. So first, I want to talk about Nav. I think this might be the first time we've talked about Nav on the podcast, sort of a, uh, sort of someone coming up in the wake of the weekend, they're on the same label. Uh, so Nav, aka Navraj Goraya, he's a rapper from Toronto, first started making waves around 2015, 2016. Again, Toronto Connection Drake on his Beats One radio show played a couple Nav tracks, and then Nav wrote and produced a Travis Scott track called Beebs in the Trap. And then in 2017, Nav put out his eponymous debut mixtape, which did a really impressive number 24 on the Billboard 200. And after this mixtape, Nav's profile continued to climb, had a variety of features on other artist songs, and then he put out his first official album called Reckless last year, and then decided to retire, quote-unquote retire. This was after Lil Uzi Vert announced the same thing, announced what turned out to be a short-lived retirement for music, Nav followed suit, and that lasted for about two months, but he's back. Nav has returned, we're here in 2019 where his second album, Bad Habits, debuted all the way up at the very top of the charts. As of this recording, Nav's album is the number one album in the country. And as we heard on the top of the show, two of those tracks from Bad Habits hit the Hot 100 this past week. One of them, Price on My Head, that also appeared on the UK charts. Uh, That features Nav's label mate, The Weeknd, as I already mentioned. But I want to focus on the other track, since I find that to be the more perplexing, we'll say, of the two. So we're going to listen to Nav featuring Meek Mill again. The song is called, in all caps, TAP. They got my brother locked inside a cage. Take them shackles off his feet, he ain't a slave. Grown up in the hood, you don't learn how to behave. How we gonna learn to stack if we ain't got nothing to say? Got a little bad, got some work done on the butt. Gotta catch another flight as soon as I catch my... Just being honest, me was the first to show me love And the first time that I seen a Maybach was with cuz Getting these bags, we might as well tell our opposite up. Got wedding bands, but I still don't got up the cuff In every city I go, they already know what's up I got resources, I could get straight to the plug Tap, 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 tap Giving head taps, lip, tap, tap, taps They said that they were with it, but it's cap, cap, cap 
Aiming at your fitted, push it back, back, back. Whack, 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 whack. One phone call, get you whack, whack, whack. Try to slap me, we gon' let it slap, slap, slap. Cross the line, it's too late, you can't take it back, back, back. I have a real hard time with this one. I, I don't understand. Uh, the rhymes and the rhythms are really basic. Really basic in a way that feels almost insulting or like there's a lack of effort. It feels like the most basic rhyme schemes, there's hardly any rhythmic variation going on and there's hardly any presence to Nav's voice. He sounds disinterested and he's not even sounding disinterested in a, in an aesthetically interesting way like you might get from a really good Gunna track or something where part of the appeal is the fact that Gunna sounds kind of sleepy and kind of half drowsy. Nav doesn't even have that. And that's what's particularly perplexing because we've talked before about how technique isn't the only way that we judge rappers these days. Like I've mentioned Lil Pump and I think Lil Pump is fantastic. I don't think Lil Pump is a technically amazing rapper, but I think Lil Pump makes up for it in other areas, whether that's energy, whether that's beat selection. But here and with pretty much any nav track, I don't hear any of that. The beat here is pretty unremarkable. There's that call and response that he sets up with himself that doesn't have any energy. And then there's that refrain that is kind of unbearable. I don't know if you had this growing up, but when I was a kid, I had this little, uh, it wasn't little, I guess, but I had this alphabet desk toy and you would push a letter and it would give a synthesized voice that would say A, B or something like Mm -hmm. that. When he's just like, work, 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 work. (laughs) It's so, he sounds bored. (laughs) And he's not even doing anything interesting with it. Again, I bring up Lil Pump because I have a very high tolerance and appreciation for just like monotonous repetition. There's a way to make that work and it's just not here. And I guess I can take comfort in the fact that Nav gets pretty routinely slammed among critics. He is very much not a critical favorite. But I figure he has to be doing something right if his career continues to keep reaching new heights. I'm genuinely confused by what people hear in him, especially in a year, in an era where there's so much great rap music out there. I don't know why you would... I don't know what Nav brings to the table. Any guesses, Caitlin? Yeah, and actually, I wouldn't have thought this had I not been handed the psychedelic rock card from the UK charts this week. I wonder if drug use has anything to do with this as well as the album title bad habits the more pieces of evidence i kind of pull together with nav on this one more i'm like wow he just sounds really burnt out blown out so one the answer to your question drugs kids don't do those the next thing that i wanted to say was i really think that retirement is still a very viable option for nav and he should seriously consider it Thirdly, similar to your critique of patience, there's like no base anything here. It's almost like they forgot, like they muted the track and forgot it when they bounced it out. The kick here is also kind of non-existent and that bothers me so much. And it's kind of a Caitlin problem, but I thought I'd bring it up because bass sounds kind of orient me, especially in pop music. So I think we're both really keen on that absolutely yeah mm-hmm. Th- those are those are 
bass and kick are high on our list of priorities. Absolutely. Yeah. So the fact that none of them were there kind of bugged me, but I'm going to take a stab at Tanner's question at the beginning of his section of trying to figure out why these artists are popular and why we're seeing them chart. So this to me kind of screams a try hard ironic party kid who makes a playlist that contains pretty much all unbearably boring rap because it's one rap and two like you said about Tame Impala like nobody's gonna run and press the next button right at the party if they hear something like this so shout out to you kiddos keep doing your thing but just feel free to shoot me an email at any point in time and I will make you a fire mixtape I would be happy to Tanner, I believe you have one song left for us this week. I do. There's one song left. You might call it our last hurrah. Uh. That's right. BB Rexa, her song Last Hurrah. I think one of our very first episodes of Chart Chat, I kept wanting to say Babay <laughs> because that's how much she was not on my radar. And now here we are in 2019 talking about, once again, Ms. Rexa who's been riding high off the monumental success of that track she made with Florida Georgia Line, Meant to Be. And she, to me, still feels like she's in this window of still trying to capitalize on that recognition and achieve success without any other features on the track. Because the really interesting thing is I was looking over Rex's chart history. She's got two top 10 hits. She's got multiple multi-platinum songs as a recording artist. Only one of her six top 40 hits was released without any other artists sharing the billing. It's really bizarre. And this is, uh, for listeners that aren't familiar, she first got her start in the music industry writing hits for other people. Uh, probably the biggest one is um, uh, Monster, the uh, Eminem, Rihanna. It's just really strange to see that pattern continue. For the record, that one song that did go into the lower rungs of the top 40 without any other artists on the ticket uh, was I'm a Mess. And that peaked at number 35 and has gone gold so far. As for this track, this last hurrah, I'm still pretty unsure as to whether or not this will climb that much more. Because based off of her track record, the public seems kind of hesitant to fully embrace Rexa as her own distinct pop persona. But we're going to take a listen to her latest effort. Again, this is BB Rexa, Last Hurrah. The drinking, I'm done with the smoking, I'm done with the playing, I'm done with the joking, I'm done with the ladies, I'm done with the fellas, just saying, farewell tequila, so long margarita, lady sativa, I hate to leave ya, don't want the pressure, I don't need a lecture, no thank you honey, God bless ya, I know, I said it all before, but it won't Despite butchering her name on a consistent basis, I spend an odd amount of time thinking about BB Rexa, and that is not just because the one part of the New Year's Eve Times Square uh, live cast that I saw last year was her dicey performance of Imagine, 
there is something I can't fully put my finger on with BB Rex's music that feels off. And it makes me wonder if there's something similar going on with the general public. I've talked before on the podcast to friends, uh, sort of incessantly in hindsight, for my sort of instinctive uh, frustration and maybe even disgust with the so-called indie voice that you find in a lot of young male and female artists. That disgust has softened somewhat, or there are at least more exceptions. But for whatever reason, when I think of what frustrates me the most about that trope, I think of BB Rexa. And the closest I can get to figuring out why that is, in listening to the song, is that it feels like Rexa uses it inconsistently. Tanner, could you describe maybe some sonic qualities of indie voice in a young female artist, just in case listeners aren't really familiar with that? And I'll admit, like, I'm not super familiar with it either. The stereotypical examples I could come up with are like Lord or Halsey. I don't know what's going on in terms of mouth shapes and whatnot, but there's uh, like the R's have that. There's there's this affectation to some of the pronunciations that are going on in Last Hurrah. This is my last hurrah. Kind of like that. It's really hard to put into words. And in, you know, Among Men, I'm thinking of like, it, it crops up a lot for me, at least in the sort of indie folk crowd, your Mumford and Sons, your Lumineers, etc. I don't feel super comfortable with my sort of reflexive disgust that kicks in when I hear BB Rexa or the Lumineers or whatnot. But the thing that's really bizarre, it's not as if affectations and vocal inconsistency are new in pop. And she evokes very clearly someone who's known for those sorts of affectations in the chorus. That long drawn out ah. At the very end of the choruses, that's very Lady Gaga. Exactly. So it's not as if I'm, I, I'm not, I don't want to be misunderstood as if I'm saying that she sounds inauthentic or fake or whatever. It's not that. It feels like whatever sort of vocal persona she's creating is made inconsistently because you have that really brassy tone juxtaposed with the weird relationship to ours. I don't know how else to put it. And the really uncomfortable, sing-songy, kind of uncomfortably close sibilances that you get with some of the terms or some of the words that she's singing. And I think there are cases where that discomfort can be great when it's part of an aesthetic that is very intentional, like podcast fave Billie Eilish, for example. But for a song like this, where the lyrics are supposed to the lyrics and the, the general setting of the song are supposed to have it be a sort of rousing send-off to hedonism, you know. Last hurrah, and then I'm turning my back on Margarita and Sativa and all that jazz. But to have that discomfort in that song creates it's it's another layer of inconsistency and sort of conceptual dissonance that just pushes me really far away from the song. I don't know, Caitlin? Yeah, so I find this song unbearable, and I'm going to try and do the big thing where we find the redeeming qualities, so we'll start with the bad, we'll end with the good. So this is one of those songs that just seemed stale to me the day it was released. It's very awkward, it sounds like, almost like a confession. So you have your washed up party girl swearing off her past habits to, scare quotes, get better. Yawn. Like, okay, great. 
I definitely, definitely want to echo your point about BB Rexa functioning as kind of a poor man's Lady Gaga today. I also want to throw the names Avril Lavigne, Pink, and a childhood favorite of mine from the UK, her name's Leslie Roy, into the mix. So if listeners go back and listen to Rexa in Meant to Be and I'm a Mess, she had overall a much sweeter, softer, kind of younger tone. And now she's adopting this kind of gravelly, worn, ragged tone that kind of mirrors Last Hurrah's lyrics in a very corny way. Day after the party, mascara smeared all over your face. I'm done with tequila. Goodbye, margarita. Like, yeah, okay, we get it. I'm not quite sure, also, Tanner, if this helps you or helps me at all in terms of putting our fingers on what exactly feels off about B.B. Rex's music, but for me, it has a lot to do with how the vocals sit in the mix. They're very in-your-face. They're very upfront and kind of piggybacking off of what you said about the consonants, especially the R's. It makes them just that much more prevalent in the song and they don't need to be they do not need to be so i'm really curious to see where bb rexa goes from here whether or not she's going to try to pave her way as a solo artist or continue with her amazing success as a collaborator and i'm just hoping that it will be maybe something with a little bit different subject matter and something that's a little bit more instrumentally interesting and I would like to wrap up by saying that we're not going to lie to you guys. We don't have a pick of the week this week. It's not been a great week on either chart. And we don't like to feign music taste. So with that, Tanner, tossing the mic over to you to bring us out. Thank you so much for listening to Chart Chat. I'm hoping that maybe if you're listening and you really like Nav and or BB Rexa, A, hopefully we didn't come off as super condescending and jerky but b let us know what it is that you find appealing about them we genuinely are interested in getting other perspectives on the sort of music that we're talking about so tweet at us email us you can do those at chartchatcast at gmail.com shoot us your responses questions feedback corrections if you want to get in touch with us on social media whether that is the aforementioned twitter or instagram those are both at chartchatcast and as always, if you want to listen to all of this past week's chart debuts, you can find a Spotify playlist in the show notes. Also, please, if you'd be so kind, consider rating and reviewing us. Tell your friends about us. Tell your parents. Your grandparents. Maybe not your grandparents. But don't forget to send the song suggestions if you like. We're still looking into the possibility of future uh, mini-episodes about listener requests. And also the possibility I'm laying the groundwork for historical episodes stay tuned for that but in the meantime our intro theme was written by peter kelly and our cover art was made by billy phillips both from coronation media coronation media is a creative studio specializing in video production animation and graphic design to learn what they can do for your company or organization visit www.coronationmedia.com chart chat is also a member of the teej.fm network from wtju to learn more visit teej.fm that's t-e-e-j.fm Thanks again for listening to Chart Chat. I'm Tanner Green. And I'm Caitlin Flay. And we'll catch you next week.